Hi there, everybody. Um, if you were on our site earlier, our Facebook site, and you saw that we had some technical difficulties, some audio difficulties, our equipment was um, turning on and off uh, every few seconds, and so I made a decision not to continue the live stream with the video and the audio, and so I'm going to record the sermon. And uh, you can go to the website, to the excuse me, the Facebook page, and and there is a post from. A few days ago, where you can click a link, get registered with Desert Hills Community Church in Nazarene in Gooding, Idaho, and then we'll make available to you links to view the sermon notes live as the sermon is being preached. And there's also a place to leave private prayer requests, public comments. Next week, there'll be a place to click to give online. So all that is available now or coming soon. And uh, we hope within the next week to figure out the audio problems and be able to do the audio and the video feed from the pulpit and the platform of the church and not uh, just sit in front of a computer and do this audio recording like we're doing today. So uh, thank you for that. So as you can see, uh, it was a rocky start to our premier live stream, but we're going to give it a go again next week. I, I was looking at Facebook early in the morning, uh, checking out our uh, Facebook page and making sure everything was okay. And I saw a story, and it's on Facebook, so we all know it's got to be true, of a Anglican priest who was live streaming earlier today and uh, caught his clothes on fire by getting too close to the candles that were lit. So, I didn't do that today. He's fine. It just caught his clothes. One of those where you ah, stamp it out real quick. So, but um, we didn't catch anything on fire today. So, in addition to social distancing, if you're going to use candles as part of your worship, make sure that you practice candlelight distancing as well, so that nobody else uh, sets themselves on fire today. We don't want that to happen. And we also discovered that. Uh, when we do the live stream, that I need to stand behind the pulpit and not any closer to the camera, or the shine off my forehead is so bright that it blocks out my face. Now, there may be some who think that's an advantage, but from now on, I'll strictly stay behind the pulpit so that the glare uh, doesn't harm anybody's eyesight while they're watching our live stream next week. So, um, praise the Lord. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. In the midst of life as it really is, Jesus reigns. This morning's sermon is uh, part of our Lenten series, A Season of Lent. And today's sermon is entitled, Fulfilled. And it's based upon the passage of Scripture of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 27 through 40. Now imagine deep hunger pangs. Not the time you get when you skip lunch, but the the type you get when you feel after a day of hard labor, when you've walked for miles, stood for hours, uh, and never had time to eat a meal. Deep and aching pains that seem like they'll go on forever. Imagine children grabbing their parents' sleeve and asking when the meal will come, and parents who aren't sure how to answer. This is the setting for the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus took fishes and loaves, and fed over 5,000 people. Um, the aching bellies, 
that day were filled with bread and fish, but it didn't take long before those bellies began to rumble again. Hungry people heard of the miracle, and they began to seek out Jesus to see if the miracle he had performed once would happen again, to see if they could be a part of the next one. Only when they came to see Jesus in our passage today, he admonished them about looking for temporary fulfillment, about looking to have their stomachs filled for a moment when what he was offering was so much more than that. We often look for temporary fulfillment too, don't we? Sometimes even in the form of food. There is a reason fasting is so often linked with food because it is something we need. We cannot give up eating altogether, but so often eating can become something we do to try to fill our hearts and not just our stomachs. Fasting reminds us to shift our focus away from whatever we might use to give us momentary fulfillment, whether that be food, social media, television, or unnecessary shopping, the list could go on. To give those things up so that we can focus on Jesus Christ, who wants to fill our hearts and not just our bellies. With that in mind, I want to read to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 27 through 40. The words of Jesus Christ. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Momentary satisfaction. The followers of Jesus were still focused on the momentary satisfaction that work could bring. And this language of work is used throughout this text we're looking at today here in the Gospel of John chapter 6. The followers were focused on the type of work that produces something temporary. This type of work is focused on the law, not on grace. They had just seen and partaken of a miracle, 
yet they're still focused on what they must do. There is a, a legalism in their questions that shows their wrong thinking, that they must do something in order to earn favor with God. You know, my dad uh, had questions like that every time I ever talked to him about faith in Jesus Christ. My dad has Alzheimer's and he's he's close to the end of his life. His cognitive ability is greatly reduced. But up to the very last time we talked about it, in one breath, he would say that he believed in Jesus as Savior. And in the very next breath say, but what do I have to do to earn it? Jesus shifts the language of work, telling them that the true work God desires is faith to believe in Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. Jesus is shifting them away from the idea of legalism and earning God's favor toward one of faith and grace and love. I want to string together a few scriptures here uh, around a topic, and and this would be a good place for you maybe to, to write these down and look at them later when you have more time to think them through and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to you. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says he is the fulfillment of the law. And then later on, in the letter to the Romans, chapter 13, verse 10, Paul says that love is the fulfillment of the law. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And now in the letter 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says God is love. And the Bible also tells us, Jesus is declaring to us in today's passage, Jesus is God. So we can conclude then that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. God is love. Jesus is God. So we can conclude that there's a deep connection here in today's passage to Jesus being the fulfillment of the law and showing us a new way to approach it. And again, the law is not about legalism. Ultimately, the law is about loving God and loving others. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't say that following God requires no work. It's just that the work itself changes character. Faith is its own kind of work, and it's often difficult. But the work of faith is never legalism. So the ultimate sign, they were looking for signs from God, while missing the ultimate sign of God, Jesus Christ himself in their midst, right in front of them. The followers were so focused on the bread they just ate and the miracle it was, how that was provided, that they missed out on the true miracle in front of us, that the Savior has come. They asked for more signs, even and, and they, the text even implies They had participated in the feeding of the multitude that has just occurred, and immediately they're asking for more signs. In verse 26, just prior to today's passage, Jesus even admonished the people for seeking him because they weren't truly looking for him, but they were looking for what he could do for them and providing another meal. They ate their fill that day, and they longed for more. They so desired another sign from Jesus that they seemingly 
try to guilt trip him into another one by speaking of manna in the wilderness with Moses. They still missed the point even there, though, and Jesus had to remind them it wasn't Moses who gave them the manna, but God. God is the one who provides signs for his people. This reminder is again seeking to point them and us back to Jesus, who is the ultimate sign from God. This connects with the text of the Samaritan woman in the Gospel of John chapter 4. It follows the same theme. She talks about the Messiah, the Savior, who will come and what will happen while missing that the Messiah, the Savior, is in her midst, literally right in front of her as she's saying this. And so this is a theme for John. Despite having the Savior in their midst, they continue to miss him. They continue to fail to understand who he is and what he is doing. You know what? God is at work now. How often do we look for signs from God while missing God at work in the world around us? Nostalgia. Looking back on the experience we had with God in the past and longing to go back there. That at times can distract us from the work God is doing today in the present. Just like the people who ate the bread at the feeding of the multitude were looking back, both at their own experience and also at the experiences of their ancestors, many of us have had moments of great experiences with God. And we long to go back to those moments, whether it was a moment at a camp or a conference or a revival or maybe a significant conversation with someone. It is good to look back on the goodness of God in our lives and in the lives of those who have gone before us. However, it is not good to do so at the expense of what is happening in the present. One of the significant moments in the story of Moses is that God calls himself, I am. This name is given in the present tense, I am. God is present with his people. While looking back at the miracle of the manna, the people seem to have forgotten the I am-ness of God. We often forget that the good old days also had their problems. The filling of their stomachs at the feeding of the multitude was temporary, and there was a hunger that both preceded and followed the miracle. The filling of the stomachs in the wilderness with manna was surrounded by difficulty. The people complained about the lack of food. They complained about their hunger. They even said they longed to go back into slavery. They struggled with idolatry even in the midst of miracle after miracle. These miracles and being part of them did not guarantee long-term faith or the disappearance of our problems. We are prone to focusing on work instead of faith. While we claim to be a people of faith and grace, we still get caught up in legalism. Instead of pursuing love, we often view faith as a checklist of avoiding certain things while doing other certain things. We know we will fall into this trap when we tend to walk around in slavery and shame. We know we will fall into this trap when we fail to extend grace and forgiveness to ourselves. 
We know we'll fall in this trap when we believe that God can love and forgive others, but can't possibly love and forgive us. Or when we believe that there are limits to God's grace and forgiveness and love. We can also focus on the works of others instead of focusing on being loved to others. We fall into this trap when we have a judgmental spirit toward others instead of extending grace. We fall into this trap when we decide who is in the kingdom of God and who is out instead of seeking to embrace everybody and allowing God to do the sorting. We fall into this trap when we decide we shouldn't associate with certain types of people instead of embracing all people with the same love that God embraces us with. We also focus on work over faith when our life never exhibits a rhythm of Sabbath rest. Work is not just about the legalism, but also can be about work itself because we're too afraid to stop. When the momentary satisfaction of our busyness consumes us, there's little room for other things. When we are prideful about how busy we are, when we are not taking time to spend time with God because we are just too busy, quote-unquote, doing the work of God. Now, this is a hard one for those of us in vocational ministry to remember, but all of us are susceptible to this trap. But you know what? There is lasting satisfaction. Jesus is the bread of life. He satisfies beyond a mere moment. The idea of Jesus as a bread of life connects to John chapter 4 and the story of the Samaritan woman at the well again. In John 4, Jesus claims to be living water that will cause those who drink it to thirst no more. He contrasts this assertion with drinking from a well, which will only satisfy for a short while. The woman at the well wants this water, even without fully understanding what it means. When she realizes what Jesus is talking about, that he is, in fact, the Messiah, the Savior, and that he longs to connect her to a relationship with God, everything changes for her. The people aren't looking for anything more them bread for the moment, but Jesus offers them something more anyway. We see bread used symbolically in much of Scripture. Maybe the most famous are the words, give us this day our daily bread from the Lord's Prayer. The focus is on trusting God for provision in the present today. This is a lesson that the people are still learning as they long for signs of the past instead of trusting God in the moment. And um, maybe we're like that too. Have you tried to go to the grocery store in the last few days and buy toilet paper or hand sanitizer? (laughs) Bread is a cornerstone food for all societies. Every culture has some version of bread. And though it is not always nutrient-dense, this prayer for daily bread tends to be pretty universal. We also see bread used in the Eucharist Jesus shared during the Last Supper. And you can see examples of that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 26, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 22, and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 19. Bread is being used to illustrate the body of Christ and the ways it is broken for the world. Jesus 
is present in this ordinary life-sustaining food. Jesus wants to be more in the lives of his followers than just a momentary satisfaction. He wants to be a regular life-sustaining part of his followers' lives. Jesus' followers wanted food for the moment, but Jesus wanted to be more than a moment in people's lives and more than just a temporary miracle. Jesus wanted to be the sustaining part of their lives. Jesus wants to be more than momentary satisfaction for us as well. He wants to be a regular, life-sustaining part of our lives. The life-sustaining part of our lives. Jesus wants to give us daily bread. Jesus wants us to have a regular relationship with him. He was broken for us. He wants us to remember the links he went to in order to have a relationship with us. Jesus wants us to see what he is currently doing in our lives and in the world instead of just waiting for the next miraculous sign. Jesus is present not only in the hugely miraculous, but also in the miracle of ordinary things like bread. In this season of Lent, we are reminded through our fasting that God wants to be more to us than momentary satisfaction. God doesn't want us to miss out on the miracles of the ordinary ways that he is at work in the world in the present because we are focused on what God did in the past or longing for what God might do in the future. In the beauty of that communion, we are reminded that Christ's body was broken for us and that he is the bread of life. He longs to feed the deep, desires and longings of our heart to release us from legalism and sin and to free us to a life satisfied by a consistent ongoing relationship with him and that's my prayer for you today that you that you have a relationship based on faith upon the salvation that comes by faith in Jesus Christ he went to the cross he shed his blood and gave his life the only sinless human ever. And that sacrifice and our acceptance of that sacrifice is the only way that we are forgiven and free. And in him, in Jesus, is life every day on this earth and forevermore. Come what may in this world, it is well with our souls because Jesus Christ has gained eternity for us. And so my prayer for you is that you know his peace, you know his joy, and you know his purpose. You join him in the present and what he's doing in this world. My family had a conversation with the next door neighbors yesterday where we shared what we had a lot of in the house and they shared what they had a lot of in the house and, and we supported each other. It's easy to be the light of Christ in this world. And so find the way that you can do that. And if you've never accepted Christ as Savior, you can do that today. The Gospel of John chapter 3, beginning of verse 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And it goes on to say in the next verse, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Salvation is in him and none other. By faith in Jesus, you can be saved today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace. I love you. God bless you.